Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. March into spring with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered 1-gig internet for $59.99 per month, plus a $150 gift card and price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with a free modem, free installation, and free Wi-Fi your way home. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and manage user access for all connected devices with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires May 6, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Andy Richter, and this is the three questions. And I'm going to pose those three questions to uh, one of my favorite people in the world today. Um, I She was a co-worker, um, a, uh, a troublemaker, a yeah. co-troublemaker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We, In fact, at, at one point, I believe we were separated. We were. There were monologue meetings and you and I got separated. You had to go sit on the other side of the room or Like something. kids, they separated yes. us because we were too chatty. Yeah. Yes. And you but know I what? Mean, sorry, sorry the, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just needed to make sure you knew that you're also one of my favorite people. Andy. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. I assumed because I'm very arrogant. <laughs> Um, but you know, I mean, I also know I, it's also, I have a dim view of most humanity. So it's like, it's not hard to be great in a world full of schmucks. Uh, no, no. It sucks out there. Uh, but it's Sona Movsesian. Yeah. I could just say, you know, I could just say Sona. You, like another famous Armenian could be just go by one name. Don't you dare compare me to Cher. Are you comparing me to my mom? I'm comparing you to Cher. No, to Cher. Oh, my my mom, Cher is my mother. What? I never knew that. Yeah, she so we I went to her show with my mom with my best friend and her mom and uh the whole time we were watching it my my friend and I Veronica she she and I were like Cher's, How old were you? This was like a few years ago. Yeah. But we were there. We were like she's our mom now. Like these other women don't <laughs> exist. It's all about this 70 what? 2 73 year old woman and being on stage, I love her so much. She's my mom. Was it in Las Vegas? It was. And you know what? You could tell my mom doesn't go to too many concerts, Andy. And she like, there's a section of the show where there was like six bare-chested, oily men just doing a dance. And yeah. I just, in my peripheral vision, I saw my mom and she was like clutching her chest going like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> you could tell. She like was she like, was shocked or was like she turned she was on? Like, I think it was both, but wow. she just doesn't go out much. And then after the show, she was like, that part where those men danced was just so good. I was like, oh, is it really? <laughs> you, just, yes. you don't go out much. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, men are dancing oily like that everywhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nice. Starbucks, you'll see that, you know. <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> but did she does she talk much about being Armenian, Cher? Or is she just she's just embraced by Armenians because she's Armenian? 
that second one. Yeah. yeah Anytime yeah. anyone has a fraction of Armenian, we're like, they're ours now. Yeah. We own them. We own okay. them. System of a down, we own them. Yeah. Isn't aren't they like they're they're All the other them. Yeah, yeah. All That's of That's awesome. Yeah. Glendale Rockers. Oh yeah. 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 I think and the, you're right. and the Kardashians, but the Card but like Kim Kardashian and the rest of the them, they actually make a you know, they put their Armenianness to good use. They do. You know what? Yeah. The system of a down, Serge, who's the lead singer, is very involved. Actually, all four of them are pretty involved. They grew up in the Armenian community, so they're very right. involved. Uh, Kim is also involved, I think. Um, and then Cher did go to Armenia once, so that was that. We have that, but um, <laughs> in terms of. Very Armenian. I I mean, I can't. I I think that's it. I think you yeah. got it all. I think the Kardashian system of a down and share, and we 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 captured it all. Now you grew up in kind of the Glendale area, right? So in kind How of the. Oh, dare you! Oh my God, the Wait, Glendale area. You just assumed Glendale because yeah. I'm Armenian. No, I'm from Montebello. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> Andy. That's like 10 minutes from Glendale. It's not 10 minutes. It's right next to East LA. Okay. All right. We're like 30 minutes from Glendale. Yeah. How dare you? You're a hood girl. (laughs) 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 I am kind of. Well, no, but so you grew up, but I mean, but is there still like a pretty big Armenian community there? I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yeah. My so, wedding was there in this right. big Armenian church. You I know. know. I I went to your wedding. I yes. know. You, it was it a was, lovely ceremony. It was huge. It was a monstrosity. It, it was. It was. <laughs> but although You're being nice. I, no, I'm not. It was really. It was really <laughs> nice. It was really really nice, and I really had a and it was a lovely time, and it was fun, and a lot of good, a lot of fun people. And one thing I appreciated because I've been to Orthodox weddings before. Yeah. Yours did not seem, you know, like half the day. You know what I mean? Like I've been to other Orthodox weddings that went on like not no kidding, like over two hours. Yeah. And I yours you, was like kind of more normal. You can choose the long version, I think, or the short, shorter version. We chose the shorter version. Yeah. But the longer good. one, you're right. It goes on forever. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So long. And I I don't have time for that. I need I have walls to stare at. I yeah. need to get out of there. <laughs> Get back home and be mad about things that aren't happening. <laughs> well, now, how much, how much of when you're growing up is Armenianness like a, you know, are, do you are you feeling Armenian all the time? Oh, because it's the whole thing, Andy. Is it? Is it, it is. It yeah. is. It's the whole thing. I, you know, I went to an Armenian school. Uh-huh. I, uh, my my parents are immigrants from Istanbul, but they are Armenian. So mm-hmm. when they came here, they pretty much only kept in touch with their other Armenian friends from Istanbul who also immigrated here. I mean, it's, mm. it's a very immigrant sort of thing to do to just latch on to the thing that's familiar. So, yeah. you know, when I, I mean, just recently, my I took my my boys, I have two little babies, and I took them to meet my parents, my mom's friends, and there were 20 women there. And I wow. walked in... And I was like, am I going to know all of them? And they're all my aunties. Like, I know all of their kids. I know I grew up with them. 
I, you know, it was when you're born Armenian, I say this, you're born into like a community of just like hundreds of people that you automatically grow up with. And that's yeah. how it was for me. That's really nice. Yeah, you know, and is. I mean, and it's something that's that's kind of missing because, it, you know, I mean, like, my, well, I, you know, I mean, I'm sort of like kind of French and kind of English and kind of German and kind of Swedish and you know, I mean, the most we did was that my stepfather or my my step grandfather was Swedish, and we were Swedish anyway. My mom's second husband just happened to be even more Swedish than we were. Oh. So at Christmas time, it would just made awful Swedish food, <laughs> like just disgusting, <laughs> like boiled fish things. You know, but so, the food at IKEA is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. You have uh, you have little pancakes, you have meatballs. And there's uh, a cold fruit soup oh. that is that it's yeah, it's it sounds gross, but it's actually not that bad. OK. And as a kid, compared to the other things that you get, which is like there's something called lutefisk that people know. Have you ever heard of that? I have. I don't know yeah. what it is, but I've heard it's cod that's cured in lye, a poison that then <laughs> has to be soaked all day to get the poison out of it. So you soak you have a big plank of cod soaking in your sink all day. And then it is cooked for hours in a fucking cream sauce. Oh, wow. It is like if a load had chunks of fish in it. <laughs> oh, God. But a, but a huge, like a gallon of it. Oh, my God. I'm choking it down. The entire house <laughs> is repulsive. It just, it's the worst thing. And it's like one of those, it's one of those things that, you know, like, you know, like the really awful, like liquors that people be like, this is, you know, our, our drink that we, you know, do shooters of that's, that tears your insides out. It's the same. Cause they had that too, Akavit, which is just like rocket fuel. And uh. this is like, nobody likes eating lutefisk, but they all do it because it's like, that's, I think because Swedes, they're, they're. Their heritage is about misery. Oh, you know, they're like (laughs) like, the Irish. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like well, to be Swedish is to be to be sad. You know, so no. Yeah, Uh, that's how you grew up. Did you uh, raise Will and Mercy with that at all? Or no, no, they have no. I mean, if you if you went by what my kids eat, you'd think they were from Thailand. you know, and it's like it's hard to get them to like go out to go out for steak. They're always like, "No, can't we go have some sort of Cambodian porridge or something?" <laughs> they're they're very LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, do you, you just have one brother, right? I do. I have a brother, yeah. Danny, who is uh, could not be more different than me. And is that is that? Uh, is that a normal thing in your family to have only two kids or were there bigger, bigger broods? There's bigger. My dad's one of six. Yeah. My grandpa, on my mom's side was one of six. Uh, but my mom was one of two. My grandma was one of two. So I, I guess it depends. It, I think it depends on resources as mm-hmm. in uh, my dad is from a village. And so. There's no contraception. There's no access to abortion. So you get pregnant, you have to have these kids and you raise them in deep, deep poverty, which I think is the same with my my grandpa. My 
mom's side, they, you know, she grew up in Istanbul, which is a more sort of metropolitan area. So they had Mm -hmm. access to those things. And so she was able to sort of control, I think, how big her family was, you know, Mm -hmm. with modern means. So I really do think that has a lot to do with it. But, uh, you know, I I think they, my parents just wanted two and they just had two and that was it. I don't know. My mom never talked about having more. Was your dad's village in Armenia or in Turkey? Turkey. In Turkey. So did they identify? Well, I mean, obviously they don't identify as Turks. No, no. Yeah. But so is that, I mean, that's got to be a weird sort of dual thing that the, the, your home, the place of your birth is kind of actively against you. Oh, you know, they hate you. They hate yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it wasn't, you know, my grandparents on my father's side were both orphans because of the genocide. And they grew up in this village. And one of the reasons my dad immigrated here when he was about 16 was because there was so much active hate and discrimination against Armenians. They have a term there that's, you know, s- similar to any sort of derogatory term used here towards you know, ethnic communities. And so he, he just, he, he didn't want to live among that sort of negativity anymore. So he came here when he was around, I think he was 16 years old when he came here, but, uh, they, yeah, they're still, they are, they hate Armenians. They're just not very kind to us. They want us to assimilate. Uh, my dad and a lot of other Armenian families had to change their last names because the I- IAN or the YAN at the end of the name is such an identifier of yeah, Armenian, yeah. Uh, your Armenian heritage. And so, you know, my dad was had a, had a Turkish last name when he lived there. And so oh, did wow. my mom's family. Yeah. And then they change it when they move here. So, uh, you know, it's them sort of reclaiming their Armenianness. But yeah. it's it is it's very hard to be Armenian in Turkey. One, once they're here, is there are there like do. Armenians from Turkey or Istanbul kind of hang together more so than like Russian Armenians and Armenian Armenians and Lebanese Armenians. Yes. Are there, there's like insular groups within the diaspora? Yes. It's, it's, it can be frustrating at times, but yeah, yeah, a lot of Armenians kind of like, kind of tend to, I mean, definitely older Armenians tend to just kind of stick with wherever they're from. So yeah. Glendale has a lot of Armenians from Iran. Um, you know, Montebello was a big Russian Armenian community. Uh, but my 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 dad went there because it was, I think, one of the only communities in LA at the time in the 60s. Mm. And then uh, there was a big um, community of Armenians from Armenia in East Hollywood, which is now, you know, little Armenia. Sure. So, uh, yeah, they like found where they were and didn't, they just kind of, immigrated there and do they do they judge each other like oh, or is it like always. it's like turkish armenians are not as cool as armenian armenians yeah or, really it's such a frustrating part of the community because i think that you know we tend to discriminate against each other and we're so small like we didn't earn that yet i i feel like we're just we're <laughs> you just gotta earn so, all this you gotta in, earn intra, yeah intra <laughs> prejudice yes you, know? you have to earn it you have to be big enough to like do that. (laughs) But there is this kind of like, oh, there are Armenians from Armenia. So like, um, uh, you know, one of the stereotypes is Armenians, uh, from Armenia wear tracksuits, Adidas tracksuits. And so one of my friends bought my boys Adidas tracksuits, 
uh, as like a as like a joke because my husband is from Armenia, yeah. and so he he but he embraces it because he knows that part of of his community, you know. I mean, and I I think it's it's funny. Like we we dress them up in it, and we're like they're getting in touch with their dad's side, and you know <laughs> it's it's cute, but yeah, yeah, it's there. It's, also, I bet yeah. it, twin boy twin like eleven month old boys in two Adidas tracksuits is pretty cute. It's so cute. I can't yeah. believe it. I mean, it's <laughs> it's like you took an Armenian grilling. With his Adidas tracksuit on and just shrank him. It's just like, I'll send you pictures, Andy. It's really cute. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, growing up, I mean, how do you end up where you are? I mean, how do you end up in show business? I mean, is there, do you know of anybody that's working in entertainment as you're growing up? Not a single person. You didn't either, right? I mean, I I feel like you didn't either. Not at all. Not at all. Not a single person. In fact, when I told people in my family I wanted to work in TV, they were like, yeah, but you don't know anyone. Like, how would you do that? And I I even think one of my relatives were like, you're not Jewish. Like, in their mind, (laughs) everyone who worked in entertainment was Jewish. And so- they were like, how are you going to do that? You're not, you don't know anybody. You're not the right culture. Like, how do you break into something like that? And I don't know if you feel this way, but looking back on it, I don't know where I got the confidence to even think I could work in entertainment or television. It's, it's, it is a, it, looking back on, even though I grew up in LA, I grew up in a very suburban area and no one I knew worked in entertainment. So right. I, I don't know how I was like, I'm going to work in TV. Look at me. And when did you start feeling like that? Like, it, were you in high school? Like, were you, what were you doing stuff in, in high school? Like, were you, w- was there a TV station at school or like, you know, or, or, you know, did they have communications classes? You know, were you, no. were you kind of aiming that way or were you doing theater or something? Co- what were you doing co- in high school besides <laughs> getting high? <laughs> That's what drink- I'm trying to get at. I was drinking so much and egging houses. I was that <laughs> I was that asshole. I was egging houses. Oh, even wow. not even houses of people I knew. I just felt a thrill of throwing an egg at a house. Oh, and back then this- you're like I don't Montebello know. What- is so much better now that it you're gone. It really is. Yeah. 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 Uh but I uh <clears throat> um we, I think in college, in college, I was like, I either want to work in movies or TV. And then I didn't have the patience. For, I, I interned obsessively every single semester in college. And when I was in college, I was like, I either want to intern for a movie studio or a TV station. And I uh, interned for a movie studio and I was like, this is slow and boring. I don't like it. And then I interned for NBC and I loved it. And I think yeah. that's where I was like, I, this is what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do in TV, but this is, I want to work in TV. It's interesting because it is true. It is like, if you want action, that's movies are just, they take forever. But even, yeah. even among TV, like you and I ended up in the kind of TV where it's the most action. Yes. You know, from, cause I, you know, did the Conan show. Then I came out here and was doing sitcoms and it made me bonkers because everything took weeks. Yeah. You finish a script, you know, like a version of a script, you give it to them for notes. You wait two weeks, they give it back to you. You take two weeks to do it. You give it back to them. 
there in fucking Maui or something. You got to wait for them. It's just maddening. And that's like one of the reasons why when uh, Conan came crawling back to me to beg him to, <laughs> to beg me to save him on the Tonight Show. Um, no, when he came back, at, when he asked me to do the Tonight Show with him, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, just to make TV every night. Like, that's that's crazy. It's cra- yeah. And I used to tell people, I and, and it would happen occasionally, I'd have a thought in the morning and it would be on TV that night. That's like, so that's, cool. It's just you're so Goofy. lucky you got to do you've done because you've done movies, you've done sitcoms, and you've done a daily format. I don't think a lot of people can say that they've worked in in all of those different types of, uh, you know, way of creating entertainment. I mean, I think that you're very unique that way. Thank Andy. you. Yeah. No, I and I kind of love it, and it's sort of like perfect for my. Um, my short attention span and my like ability to make a decision, inability to make a decision about, you know, like what exactly I really am. Cause it's even, you know, it's like I do cartoon voices and I host game shows. It's like, I can't even believe how many stupid different things that I get to do. Yeah. Or have gotten to do. I mean, we'll see if I get to keep doing them, uh, you know, just, you know, just, because, you know, I mean, what, that, now here, let's just talk about that. How do you feel now having having the show, the Conan show over? Uh, I mean, are you still technically even working for Conan? I don't even know that. I am. So, yeah. you know, I mean, Andy, you know, I, I was his assistant for, since he moved out here. So that's 13 years. Yeah. And um, I... I am so publicly his assistant that I, I think that it would be very difficult for me to just, like, be like, all right, I'm done being your assistant. And also, I don't think I I personally can do that. It's a very, I don't want to say a codependent relationship, but, but I, it is. It is. I, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie. It, I, I even, yeah. I've said this to, uh, I, I mean, Tack even knows this. Before I met my husband, Conan was like the most important relationship I had in my life. You know, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. Sorry, dad. <laughs> but he was, he was like, you know, I, I had to, you know, I was constantly worried about his well-being and there's still a part of me that is always going to be worried about his well-being. So, but, um, David hopping does most of his day-to-day stuff now, like yeah, his scheduling yeah. and stuff. And he's done that since I had kids. Cause I can't give Conan the attention and prioritize him the way that uh, I feel like a good assistant should do. Right. So my job's evolved, but I'm still working for him. And then, yeah. you know, now I'm on his podcast. So I, I do those. Those are my two things now. And I, I, I like it. I like it because yeah. it's it's not very demanding of my time. I can work from home and it's fun. Yeah. And it's nice to work with people that you know and love and like, yes. and, you know, you know. Yeah. I mean, that people that make you fucking crazy from time to time, but you know. Including Conan. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to no, lie. I, that's yeah. who I meant. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved, you know, I, whenever people talk about how they hated going to work on Mondays, I never felt that in the, all my years working for Conan, just going to work and seeing you and just seeing like, even going to the mono meeting. I loved that stuff. Yeah. I, I just really had such a good time working on the show and working with everybody on the show. I'm some of my best friends work on that. Like, you know, I met Erica and, and Megan through that show and they're mm-hmm. two of my best friends. So I loved it. Yeah, it is. It is something that. Mm, I mean, I don't hope I don't 
really take it for granted, but it's something that I definitely do miss and that I think I was always aware of it, but just how much laughing you get to do, like how much just really, you know, most people like Mm -hmm. one of, one of the favorite pastimes for the human animal (laughs) is being around people that make them laugh and being in situations that are fun and funny and that, and that you're laughing. And we got to work with not just like funny people. It wasn't just like, oh, the guys down at work are a riot. You know, it was like world class. And I got to do that from 1993 on. I know. I mean, and it was, and it would at times, especially in the beginning, like it would be hard. I'd come home to my wife and I would just be like, I have nothing left to give you. (laughs) You know, like I just, but I mean, they were longer days too. I had, and I really had to learn how to like, not just completely exhaust myself, you know, myself with these people at work, just being funny and then coming home and being like, I'm drained. I I have no joy left for you. Sorry. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, like, we 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 mentioned the pre-show meeting. The entire reason I was there is to laugh at jokes. That was yes. the whole reason I was there. You were there because you are Andy, but I was there because I just they would gauge how jokes would would do based on me laughing or not laughing. And you know, a, an entire hour of my day was meant to laugh. Yeah, you were a good laugher, and also, <laughs> but you also too, you knew you felt secure enough to say like, eh, that's not great. You know, or or I don't like that. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. I I I didn't want to hurt the writers. I I think that a big part of me was like trying not to do that too much because I really respected what the writers did, and yeah. I I'm not a writer. I never wanted them to ever think that I was criticizing their work. But I if I didn't laugh as hard, they were like, okay, maybe that's not good. But also most of the jokes I laughed at were like dick jokes or poop jokes. And like yeah, I have yeah. a very juvenile humor. Right, right. Earthy. Let's say earthy. Earthy. That makes earthy it sound. Works. <laughs> Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats to keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. 
Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Well, let's go. Let's backtrack to like what brought you to Cone. I mean, you were interning and then you worked at NBC, correct? You I actually, did. Yeah. I was a page. Uh-huh. I was an NBC page, at, but not the pages in New York are much cooler than the pages in L.A. The pages in L.A. are like, eh. They're- well, what'd you do? What was what was a, your life like as a page? Did you did you uh, wear a little outfit? I sure did. Oh, Fucking gross ass Let- Fucking gray polyester skirt with this stupid polyester blazer with this dumb peacock tie. Like I wore all of it. I hated it uh, so much. Yeah. Um, but uh, did nice you, on a hot day too. Oh, did yeah, you yeah. ever uh, go to the NBC studio in Burbank? I'm sure you did. Well, when I'm, they owned it. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I mean, but like to uh, to be on the Tonight Show or something, or yes. like, or, or some other show, or Ellen. There. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, because we and also we did shows out of there like, oh, I, like we did like a, I, and I think it might. It, I don't know if it was the Tonight Show. It must not have been the Tonight Show stage. I think it was the stage next door. Uh-huh. But like there was back in the I think it was in the 90s. We did a week of shows from L.A. And I think it was the studio. If I'm my memory is terrible. Was it on Johnny Carson's old studio? Because that was very, also there. Very well could be. Very okay. well could be. So I, that's where, that was my home base. That's where I worked as a page. So I would give tours of the, of the, of the NBC lot, which was really just the days of our lives studio, the access Hollywood studio. And then the tonight show with Jay Leno studio would be like the grand finale. Um, It, what a tour. I, it was What an exciting garbage. tour. Oh, it was so bad. But, you know, I mean, I looked at it from my perspective. I was like, why would anybody want to do this tour? Yeah. And then there were people who would come from all over the country, take the tour. Then when I showed them, like, the Days of Our Lives studio, it... They shit themselves. They were so, <laughs> and you couldn't even yeah, yeah. go in. You couldn't go in because people were stealing props. So they, you had to stand outside the elephant doors and just kind of peer in. Oh, and wow. You know how sets are built where there's these giant walls, these wooden walls? Yeah. And it you're looking at everything. the back of flats. Yeah. You're looking at the, you're looking at nothing. But yeah. they were like, oh my God, this is where Days of Our Lives is shot. Like they, I, they could have spent their whole life savings for that tour just yeah, to get yeah. a glimpse of of that. Like yeah. it, it is a Francesca's couch or whatever. I don't know, you know. So anyway, so you're you're working there. Yeah. So I'm working as a page, giving tours, you know, uh seating the Tonight Show audience. That was our job. And then right. I getting work- cocaine for the people over at Access Hollywood. Exactly. Cocaine and hookers, whatever they asked for, we just sure. got it. Or if you you would offer yourself sometimes if you couldn't find anybody. So that was in, in a pinch. In a pinch. Yeah. Um, so that was what I did. And then I went on assignment, which is like a page job where you get out of your uniform and work somewhere temporarily. I did it in the events department. And uh they offered me a job. 
for after I, my assignment was the, done, being in the events department. Oh, and that's, is that like me. a is that like a standard thing that's just like you work tours, but then you'll also occasionally go off and do different things, and it's just yeah. It's Part how, of the program of cultivating television workers. Exactly. So it's, yeah. you, it's a year-long program. This is how it was when I was there, but I've heard recently that it completely changed. But you had a year, you did tours, then you anytime an assignment would open up in a department, whether it was development or programming or research or whatever, you could apply for it and you competed against other pages and then you'd get it. And then hopefully a job would open up somewhere in your department or in another department, and then you would mm-hmm. become a permanent uh, employee. And so that's what happened to me. So I became a permanent and employee. For people that don't know, what does events mean? <clears throat> it's like premier parties, press tours, uh, rap parties, uh, pre- press conferences. You know, I mean, anything that just sort of, if there was a show that was launching and they wanted to do an event somewhere to just kind of garner some press, it was part of the publicity world. But that's how I met uh, doing a press tour. I I did all the travel for the SNL cast and I worked with Mark Lepis for- Oh, okay. Yeah, for the the thing, for the event. And he and I became really good friends because of it. And he, for people that don't, he was a segment producer on uh, the late night show in New York. The publicist. Oh, the publicist. Right, right, right. Yeah. I I don't know, you know. (laughs) He was a segment producer after that, I think. For, that's what, yeah. yeah. I'm sure yeah. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. But he was the publicist for late night for many years. And then uh then I heard Conan was coming out to uh LA to do the show, to do the tonight show. And I was like, I really want a job working on a show, and I really love Conan. I was a big fan of his, and so I, you know, I did whatever uh I I had to. I talked to HR. Uh-oh. What does that mean? I I got more hookers and blow for the Access Hollywood team. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got hookers and blow for Conan and he fainted. <laughs> what, what, what? What? Oh my God. Hook, 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 blah, blah, blah. He hook, started cocaine. crying. Yeah. yeah. Mommy. Yeah, mom, I did it. <laughs> I looked at a hooker once. <laughs> but so, oh, so you, I mean, I'm sorry, I interrupted with, no. with gags. So you just start, you're like, okay, I want to go work over there. So I want to go work over there as soon as he gets here. And then. Uh, and you I, don't know what, you're like, whatever, it, whatever opening whatever. there would be. Yeah. yeah, I was just like ready to move on from working on the network side of things to working on a TV show. And how long had you been at events at that point? Two years. Okay. So I had been, yeah, I had been there for about two years. Um, and you were, and it was, it was a. You liked it, right? Loved I mean, it. It, yeah, yeah. Loved it. I, I really liked the people I worked with. Same thing. I, I had a really good time. I, I don't, I don't stay at jobs I hate, and yeah. it's one of the luxuries of having uh, parents who will gladly take you back at any minute. It's, <laughs> it's, it's just, it's very freeing. Uh, yeah. So if I didn't like a job, I'd be like, I quit, you know, after a couple months or something, I would just be yeah. like, I don't like this. And I would quit. So, um, I, yeah, I worked, I did that. And then the reason I brought up Mark Lepis was because I applied to be a PA on the tonight show. And then, uh, Sarah Fedorovich, who is the line producer, she, yeah pulled my resume out to interview to be one of, uh, to be uh, Conan's assistant because he was looking for someone, but they couldn't post that he was because 
I think it would they would have been overwhelmed. Right. So. And it was it because your connection with Mark Lepis, she saw him as a reference and. No, 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 no. I think it's I think it's because I talked to HR beforehand. So they kind of flagged me. And then uh, mm. and then before my second interview, this is why Mark Lepis is important. Before my second interview, which was with Conan, Mark Lepis texted Conan telling him that I was great. And yeah. I think that was a big reason why I got my job because I'm Mark. Mm-hmm. And how, how, what was that first interview like? And was it in LA? Yeah, the first interview was with Sarah. So she was just kind of screening, asking me questions about my job. Asking were you in me, like a hotel room where they had, I mean, because there was no offices she, yet, were there? I think there were, I, she was borrowing an office from someone. Okay. Like there was an empty office somewhere that she was doing interviews out of. And so she interviewed me. Then the very next day, I got called in for a second interview. And then, that the next day after that I got so within three job three days I interviewed did my second interview and I got the job like very quickly Great. yeah yeah that's how much I wowed them wow <laughs> you well listen you are you're a goddamn juggernaut <laughs> of positivity and uh, effectiveness oh, yeah. <laughs> little did they know uh, they had no idea <laughs> oh uh, idiots. You suckered him in. <laughs> yeah, I did. I well, had he had he looked at many other, and did he ever tell you, like, did he talk to lots of other people or did it just kind of work right away? Because- no, he told me, you know, being a personal assistant, there's people who do everything for yeah. their bosses, you know, pick up dry cleaning, get fresh cut flowers to right. put them in their house, things like right. that. Um, and he Birth talked- the children. Birth the children. <laughs> surrogates <laughs> yeah. yeah conan they, yeah i'm i got a headset like conan yeah the, the, uh, the baby's crowning uh, i i'd say you got another 20 minutes oh no oh my god another 20 minutes oh. uh so he talked to a couple people like that who i think were a little intense i think it wasn't what mm-hmm. he was looking for and then right. he he i think when i first walked into the room it was him, Sarah, and Tracy. So the three of them are in the room, and I Tracy King, who Tracy is a King. core. I don't even know what she was. Our producer, people. yeah, producer. I don't um, know. Jesus, she Andy, made, did you even made, work on the show? What happened? Yeah, but I don't know the titles. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Tracy was there forever, and I know she was the person that made sure <clears throat> that there were like everybody was there. Yeah, you know, like like all the different departments were had like you had people to pull cable and you had people to hang lights and then she would do the hiring and the firing. Exactly. And Sarah kind of too, but I think Sarah had more to do with like the numbers of it all. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what that means, like what to call them. Yeah. And like I say, they've all probably changed titles over the years to where I don't know. That's true. I, yeah, Yeah. you and you and Tracy started from day one. And I think at back then she was like a coordinator or something. I think yeah. that was, yeah. And that's why I was always, I don't know. She coordinates things, you know, <laughs> she whatever. Does. Yeah. Um, but she, uh, yeah, the three of them are in there. And then I introduced myself to all three of them. And then Conan said, make yourself comfortable. And I was like, Oh, okay. Then is it cool if I just nap on the couch? Like I made a joke. Yeah. And yeah. I think that joke got me my job. I'm yeah, not even yeah. joking. It was yeah, that, no, it know. was that, it was that, like, and you know, like, I think at that point too, Conan was just like disinterested in the process. He just wanted someone who seemed competent and he 
had so much on his mind. And I think that he, he was like, okay, she made a joke. Let's hire her. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, you also, you are a very, I don't think I've told you this before. Like you, you are, uh, you're, you're very comfortable in your own skin and you always have been. And that's yeah. why, and I think I always told you, like, you were always great on camera because it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of difference between you on camera and you off camera, which is just, I don't know that you were like, that was a studied thing or something or oh. whether it's just like, it's just something that you just had. And that's, and it's a wonderful thing, you know? I do think it's, uh, I don't ever feel like I have anything to lose, if that makes any sense. Like yeah. when, when we did it, we did a live show at the Wiltern recently and there were 3000 people there and I've yeah. never been in front of audiences that big before. And someone was like, are you nervous? I go, ah, not really. Because yeah. if it doesn't go well, it's not my name on the podcast. Right. I'm not like a professional performer. I just, I'm happy to just slink back into obscurity and have nobody know who I am ever again. And I'm, I, I, I really do feel like I don't have anything to lose. And I yeah. think it's because this, this, this isn't something I... Uh, like you know, it's it's fun, but it also if it goes away tomorrow, that's fine too. If that makes yeah. sense. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it is a lot of um, it's very freeing to to realize that. Right, right. Well, I also think too, like he's he's a as TV people go, he's a unique person because yeah. he's he's. I don't want, you know, like, because A, I, I have always felt like every talk show host that I've known is either nuts or miserable. Oh, that's kind of true, I think. You know, yeah. I mean, I mean, when you know them personally, they're kind of nuts or miserable. Like the one, and I mean, and Conan is, I would say like, yeah, he's kind of nuts and miserable, but like not in like a, not in, not in like a, <laughs> Not in a bad way. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I, I, but you know I, I what totally I mean? understand like, what you're saying. Yeah. He's a very complicated <laughs> guy. He's got like tremendous moods to that he that it's like that he has to grapple with more than anybody else does, you know? And mm -hmm. and and also like and a tremendous amount of of ambition and desire and like just like he needs a lot to just kind of keep it going and feel alive. And he also needs a lot of attention. I mean, that's like people would ask me about our relationship. And I would say a lot of the time, it's just like me going like, just please just stop for like a minute. Just, you know, it, it's like, it's like, it's, I, I mean, I, I was there, you know, I worked with him for seven years before I had kids, but it, it is, it's kind of like, it is at times like having him around is like having a kid because it's like, yeah, okay, there he goes. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you've heard it a thousand times. And it's like, it's just like you just kind of have to tune out. And and it's just like a squirrel on a on a treadmill, just running, 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 running. And uh, I think, but he also is very real. And he also yes. kind of insists that the people around him be real. Yes, yes. Which is, which is very unusual. Because yeah. I think that a lot of people at that in that position of power, they want they create a world to their own liking. Oh, and yeah. he 
He kind of did, but the world to his own liking includes people like me yes. who who can make fun of him and, you know, poke at him and and like you who can do the same, you know, and who, you know, I mean, you guys' relationship, and I want to I want to talk about this. You guys were really yourselves around each other. Right. Yeah, and, we were. And to the point where you made each other crazy at times. Yeah. And I and that's it was always so interesting to watch that and to think how you know, like, how are the donuts getting made <laughs> when you guys are like, when you guys are like, when you're like, there's days where you're openly telling him, will you shut up? And he's like saying to you, like, stop watching TV, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's, you're right. I, I I do definitely agree that it's so refreshing to work for a guy who is that accomplished and that, uh, that, talented who doesn't surround himself with yes men. And it's not, I mean, you've, I've seen you be very honest with him, even if it's something he doesn't want to hear, you know, Mike Sweeney, his head writer, Matt O'Brien, his other head writer. I mean, it's, he's surrounded by people who just tell him and Jeff Ross who just tell him the things that he needs to hear, even if it's something he doesn't want to hear. And that is very rare. Um, But I also think, you know, he's like, uh, like a lot of comedians, after having been on the podcast, I've noticed this. The thing that I've noticed about comedians is they need to make people laugh. Like it's yeah. such an important thing for them to just get a reaction out of people. And Conan will work just as hard to make me laugh as he will to make thousands of people in a theater laugh. Like he, yeah. he really just, it it it's like uh it's like a drug to them and i think that that's uh it's it's really cool to watch that i mean it's it's the same with you like i've seen i've seen you uh you make me laugh i think more than anybody else on the show i'm going to oh, wow. i'm going to say that i know i i think it's just because you you do, it's like effortless with you you don't you don't come off as like i need to make you laugh it's more like i'm just going to say something that's funny and, you know, it just happens to be the funniest thing I've heard like that week. You know what I mean? I, I it's, well, it's a very you. interesting thing thank that I watch. But well, with- I, for me, I, I really, it's important to have fun. Like I have yeah. really, I was, and I've talked about this before, my, my Aunt Pat, who you must have met at some point. Yes, at, I have. Know, I've met her. Um, when, uh, like at a memorial service for her, I, just and I didn't even think about saying and I said she insisted on having fun. And that was like I think I learned that from her. And I all I really do think that that's something that I carry with me and that I I it just is like it's so you know my girlfriend and I went with her daughter to a pancake restaurant in Whittier the other day Whittier. and that people yeah the people like people recognize me that work there. And then I took a bunch of pictures and I was talking to him and joking to him. And like our waitress is, she's like, you're the nicest famous person we've ever had here. Oh, and yeah, you know, and, nice. and my, yeah, my girlfriend was asking me about it. And I was like, it's so easy to like, they know who I, it's so easy to just have fun. Yeah. Like to just like, <clears throat> just be light and fun and just, you know, say funny things to them and, and, and be funny, which is something like I've been doing literally since I was five or whatever, you know, as a child. And it just, it's, I don't understand 
being otherwise. It yeah. just And Conan has that too. And you have that too. I mean, it's ergo you and I getting separated. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> even within even within the process of picking jokes, that's too that's too much work for it's you and me. So much. So we're gonna fuck around when we're when we're just picking jokes. I know. We're, the, we're making comedy and it's like, ugh, this this sucks. Making comedy and making thinking of things that'll make people laugh is gross. Let's make each other laugh instead. Yeah, I you know? just gravitated to that chair next to you. I was yeah. like, that's where I want to sit. I want to sit next to Andy. Yeah. I just when when he made you go sit on the other side of the room, I was seriously bummed. Me I was like, too. oh. Don't Darn it. Oh my you know? God. And, yeah. and you know what? I don't know if you noticed, but I think I sat there for like a few months and then I made my way back to sitting next to you. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I think that they've at this point forgotten and I just, I want to sit next to Andy. <laughs> I don't want to sit next to anybody else. I totally remember that. I was just like, I'm yeah, going to just yeah. do it again. Yeah. And then I think they separated us again in this time. Yeah. We were like, you guys are a nuisance. Like you're- and then- and there was a point too when you stopped coming for a while. Were you just had you had enough of monologue meeting? You know. Oh, I think Conan and I had a fight. I think oh. we had a fight, and I I just was like, uh, I was like, I'm not gonna come. And I I think we got over whatever we were fighting about. But I uh, I don't know if I was just like, I'm not gonna come for a year. And then I did it, and I really missed it. I really really missed yeah. it. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I think after a while, I was like, I'm just going to, I remember I like sheepishly went up to Conan. I was like, is it okay if I go back to the monologue meetings? And he's like, yes, of course. But like, I think it started because he and I had a fight, which, uh, you know, uh, we we didn't have that many fights. But when we did, they were big because we got to a point where we were very familial with each other. And when you have to work for someone and you look at them as your friend and your and like a family member it's hard to make it's hard to make that distinction it it really mm-hmm. became a problem to like compartmentalize oh he's you know he's like my brother but also he's my boss and i have to do things for him and yeah. i uh and you know i i remember there was a point where like i really i think i said something to him that was very out of line and uh I, it's the closest I've gotten to like leaving the show because I I overstepped a boundary that I I forgot was there and so uh, but we uh, you know we we became we we went back like family we reconciled and it was fine after yeah. that but yeah were you a, did when you say you left the show did you feel like he was going to fire you or you feel yeah. like you yeah okay because I, I was going to say or you crossed that boundary and you felt like. I've crossed a boundary and I should, and I should leave. Yeah, no, I think it was, I think it was, uh, I was like, oh, he's going to fire me. Like, I remember something happened and I went into a meeting that he was having and I said something to him that was, you know, like, he's my boss. And I think I like may have yelled at him or said something to him in front of other people that was really inappropriate. And I think that I, uh, you know, I was like, this is, we need to take a step back. I need to fix this. And cause I love my job. I love Conan and I need to start to realize like, he's my boss. He's my friend, but he's also yeah. my boss. And I have yeah. to treat him with respect, especially around other people. And right. so, yeah. And do you think he understood because it's not just you assuming too much. It's like that you both kind of 
contributed yeah. to the blurring of those boundaries. And do you think that he understood that too? And so like, he couldn't just be like, well, there's only one set. Like I get to say and do whatever I want and tease you and like make jokes about and do literal like long comedy bits that are just yeah. insulting you and, and your ethnic heritage and your, sure. you know, yeah. your shoplifting past uh, and stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, but I mean, I imagine he probably knew like, okay, we, you know, cause that's the thing I always felt was you guys did not have, you guys, the, the borders were very blurred. Yeah. And so that you both have to know like, oh, if, if he says too much to me or if he, you know, he said too much to you or you said too much to him. Right. You gotta, it's like, eh, well, I kind of asked for it. I did. Yeah. I think that there was a point where I, and I might have even said to him, I was like, I love you as a friend. You're like a, you're like a brother to me. I, you know, I, I, uh, saw Nev and Beckett grow up. Him and Liza have been like so generous to me and so supportive of everything that I got to a point where I was like, if I, I was like, I'm worried that if I keep working for you, that I'm going to lose you in my life as my friend and my, you know, like sort of, you know, uh, this, this older brother figure that I have. I, I yeah. was worried that I was like, it, if if I continue working for you, then I'm going to lose that. And that's more important to me now than working for you. And so uh, that's when I like thought that I was going to leave the show for a second. But then uh, then we, you know, we worked it out. I think it was just like we had been working together for so long at that point that we got to. It's almost like a seven year itch where I was yeah. just like, I something big needs to happen or we yeah. just need to fix this. And I, and we eventually fixed it. And I, and it yeah. is, it is like, yeah, he is, uh, we are close friends and he's, he is very important to my life, but he's also my boss. And I think yeah. that I realized I have to be the one who doesn't lose sight of that, despite whatever he might do that like does blur a lot of things. He's my boss. And so yeah. if he asks me to do something, I have to do it. If, if you know, he's in a meeting, I have to make sure I talk to him with respect. Like it's, yeah, I just had to remind myself that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, you know, his and my relationship goes back to 1993. Yeah. And there have been certainly times when we were kind of crabby to each other over one thing or another, you know, and that's just, that's just life, you know, like and that's family. just- Exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's like that you don't ever stop really loving each other, you know, but I am, you know, and also too, you know, for him and me too, there is like, you, you know, it's, it's, I, I'm in show business. It's a career. It's a career based on ego. Right. And it's a career based on like pushing, pushing the boundaries of what you've accomplished to do something bigger. So, you know, I went away for a while because mm -hmm. I, you know, I think a big part of it was like, I have to prove to myself I can do something than just be, you know, his guy, you yeah. know, like his and, and, you know, and then I gladly came back to be his guy, you know, I mean, because it's like, it's, a, it was a, you know, it gave me a life and a career and a, you know, and a financial stability and, and. And also, like, I know how to make a TV show now. Yeah, and that's because that's true. he let me he let me into that process. That's like, you know, I when when the show ended, I, I wrote him a letter. And that was one of the things I said is like the the best gift you gave me was 
I know how to make a TV show because you just, you brought me into the process. You didn't keep me, you know, sitting there on the side to just be, you know, the guy that read the announcements and, right. you know, and then went hardy har whenever he said something funny. So, um, no, your, your chemistry with Conan, I mean, uh, when, when Kumail Nanjiani couldn't make it on the show and I had to fill in for him as a guest, yeah, it was an out of body experience to sit on a chair in between the two of you. I, and I, I don't know if I ever told you that. I mean, I, I grew up like a lot of people my age, especially I grew up watching you and Conan on TV. And so you guys are like, in my opinion, the best late night duo that's ever existed. And so when I, you know, was filling in for Kumail as a guest, I remember just being like, I cannot believe that I'm sitting in between Andy and Conan right now. And that I know both of them very well. And mm-hmm. they're friends of mine. And I, I, it was one of those things where I was like, I don't know how I got here, but I'm so excited that I am here. It was just such a, it was such a beautiful moment in my brain at that yeah. point. Yeah. Oh, it was, I loved it. I, I mean, honestly, you know, I, you know, Kumail's great, but I like, he's not you. Yeah. Like I always, I always, <laughs> when people would say to me, like, who are your favorite guests? And I'd be like, my friends, yeah. it, like Andy Daly or Matt oh. Walsh or Will Arnett or, you know, or Amy Poehler. Like that's, you know, like my, when my friends come on, that's all, I don't like, you know, like, oh, you know, Tom Hanks is there. Tom <laughs> Hanks is a lovely guy, but he's not like, he's not Andy Daly, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, yeah. He's not you. you yeah. Know? And you have so many cool friends. Andy, that list was just so <laughs> cool. <laughs> I know. I know. I really do, don't I? Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> the, the hilarious thing is, though, that I don't see any of them anymore. That's 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 part of old age is I don't see any of them. If I had to you know? list my friends, people would be like, who? who? What? Yeah. And you just listed <laughs> the most legendary improv people. I mean, it's like, that's so cool. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's I. Uh, I that's your world. That's where you there came from. There was a rigorous casting process to be my friend. <laughs> and these guys made the cut. I'm honored. I'm honored well, now let's friend. talk about this book. Ah! That's, uh, you wouldn't be here just to chew the fat. You're oh. here for a reason. Yeah, I don't want to be here just to talk to you. Yeah. <clears throat> no, of course, I would do it even if I didn't have a book. But yeah, I wrote a book, Andy. I wrote a book. How did, when did that, where did that come from? So, did you say, I think I should write a book? Or did somebody come to you and say, you should write a book? My my friend, uh, Liesl, who was uh, a good friend of mine, she was like, you should write a book and you need to call it The World's Worst Assistant. And I was like, okay. And then the next day, I told what is Le- is Liesl in publishing or something, or is it just, or she just one of the kids from uh, The Sound of Music? <laughs> I know, <laughs> I forgot her name is Liesl. <laughs> she was actually my college professor. Oh, okay. uh, she taught me. Um, she was my speech coach, and I. Uh, she was my speech teacher, and then I joined the speech team because of her. And oh, okay. Um, we've kept in touch since college. She's you know younger and cool, and she just like has really great ideas about every, she's one of those people who's just like, you know, makes some, makes suggestions to you about things you should do. And you're like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? She's one of those people where you're like, it's just, it's good to have her in my life. And I love her. And she suggested it. And I, you know, I, 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 I was like, it was like something in my head was like, I should do that. That's fun. And I, first needed to get Conan's approval because it's 
called the world's worst assistant. And I'm obviously going to talk about my time working for Conan. And he was like, I'm writing the foreword, send it to my agents at WME. And and so he helped me get an agent. He's writing, he wrote the foreword for it. So he was really supportive. I mean, I couldn't write the book if he wasn't because I still work for him. And it would have been really awkward if he was like, don't I work for a guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot about, uh, my time working for Conan. It, I mean, it's a lot of the things that we talked about, which is like, there's always been sort of like a fish out of water kind of element to me and how I felt being in television and working in TV. So a lot of the things I got to do, like when we went to the White House Correspondents Dinner, when, you know, we, when I met like, you know, Bill Clinton or Jimmy Carter, there was moments where I was just like, what is, th- what is this? Like how exciting that I get to do this. And I, I've always told myself not to get jaded by it, not to, uh, not to get too comfortable and think that I deserve to be there. So I've always had this like wide eyed wonderment about my job. And so I talk about that. I talk about, uh, a lot of stories about how much I've sucked at my job over the years in certain aspects. And, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of tongue in cheek. Cause I think when people think about Hollywood assistants, I think they think about these people who just are like overworked and miserable and they're, you know, constantly like sacrificing their personal and, and physical and mental well being for their bosses who will mm-hmm. like help them propel them to a different you know, a job that will, you know, it's, it's a means to an end. And I just, I think that it was, I was like, you know, I, I feel like there's a, there's a take to my job, which is I never had to do any of that. I never had to compromise who I was and my mental well-being or my physical well-being for this job. And I, I got to a point where I was like, this is, cool. So I don't need to go anywhere else. Like I'm, I'm fine being Conan's assistant for the rest of my life. (laughs) And I, uh, I just, I think that it was like, that's the sort of angle that I, 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 I wrote this book from was this, you've heard all these horror stories about being an assistant, but this is not a horror story. This is something that's, this was actually, this is fun and this is a fun take on it. Yeah. Cause it, well, it is like a necessarily kind of codependent existence. Yes. Like you're, you're living and you know, you exist within this, this universe to serve someone. And I mean, and in some ways, you know, I mean, it, it, it parallels to like my job. I mean, I'm not there. You're not, you know, there's no sidekicks without, um, a host, <laughs> you know true, what I yeah, mean? It's like, there's not like, cause you're just a host, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and so it is, but, and you, I think it's interesting too, that you do. I think what, what people, the presumptions that they make about it are like in situations. And, and I mean, the cliched assistant role that you were talking about is when you have to completely subvert yourself yeah and you have to you have to bury yourself and that's not at all what you know yeah we're like i was there as the sidekick to the guy who was the host yeah like i you know like it was it was always gonna he's number one and i'm number two and that's always gonna be that way and i'm 
absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot of number one. I've been number one and there's a lot of bullshit involved with being number one that I don't really like and I don't want to do, you know? Yeah. And that's refreshing and yeah. that you feel that way because <clears throat> I think that like when you get to a point in your career where you're like, I like this. I'm very yeah. happy where I am. I, you know, I make a good living. I work with people I like and I, I'm okay. It's I got to, I got to go make TV every day. I got to go make funny TV, have a real contribution, you know, make a real contribution to this very funny show that I was very, very proud of and always will be. But I didn't like, I didn't know any network people's names. No, why I would you? <laughs> I didn't have to go to meetings. Yeah. It was like, it was like when there's sort of, there would be some event, you know, and like veil where it's like all the network people are there and they want somebody to make them laugh for 10 minutes before we, you know, before we burn orphans or whatever they do. Oh. Uh, <laughs> and I never had to, I never had to do that yeah. shit. You yeah. know, I, I just got to come and make TV and go home. And yeah. and so it, like that was, I feel like I was getting as much, you know, I was getting the better end of the deal. Like there's a lot of stuff that he has to do that I know he didn't even like to do, but he just does it because it's part of the deal. He and has I, to, yeah. yeah. I didn't have to, you know, so it was nice. It was, but it, it's, it, the fact that you recognize that, I think, is, it says a lot about you. Because I think a lot of people in, in, in a lot of jobs get very stir-crazy and they're like, what's next? What, what do I do next? What, what's, my, what's my next thing? And it's, and it's like, uh, sometimes it's nice to feel like, Okay, I like this for now. You know, yeah, like I don't yeah. need anything right away. I'm I'm okay. Like, you know, obviously it's not going to last forever, but at this point, I am happy and this is nice. And I yeah. I uh I and I I I think that that's 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 cool that you recognize that cuz well, I recognized even, it and it was very liberating for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this is I like making TV. I don't and I don't need to be and and also as you get older in in at least from my position as you get older like the glorification of you as an individual like i don't I, that you realize like that doesn't really mean anything like that's not gonna yeah i i said there was a one of the first really big like kind of profiles of conan i think was in the New York Times magazine. And it was like some writer that was there for like, it seemed like forever. <laughs> and, and I think it was, it was one of Conan's friends. Cause they asked, they, in the article, they interviewed me about Conan. And, and one of the things I said was, and this was kind of early on in the whole process. I said, I sometimes worry that, you know, that he's going to get so caught up in kind of the, you know, the bullshit ass, I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but like, you know, the more showbiz aspects of it and that, and then he's going to forget to, to have a real life because yeah. he wasn't married mm -hmm. and, you know, and, and his life was kind of the show at that time. And I was like, I, I hope he doesn't realize that I said, because, and then what I said was, I said, because having met David Hasselhoff 15 times, isn't going to keep the ghosts away when you're in a nursing home bed. <laughs> oh my and one, oh, one, of Conan's, one of Conan's friends, I like, called him and was like, oh, my God, that's chilling. You know, but I but I meant it and I still mean it. It's like, don't get caught up in the bullshit because it it means nothing yeah. at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, I mean, 
at the end of your life, it means nothing. All of this stuff, it doesn't matter. So it's like, did you have fun? Did you make something good? I mean, because it's like, you know. Right. In 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 characters in the in the uh, I think it's characters restaurant in uh, the Grand Californian Hotel at Disneyland. Okay. Um, they have. I, I, like, I don't know. I've never. It's been all there. like it's all like bullshit kind of arts and crafts. Uh, kind of like the whole hotel is like California arts and crafts. Frank Lloyd Wright, and it's a quote from somebody. It may even be Frank Lloyd Wright, but there's a quote in that restaurant, and it says, um, "Life is so short." And the craft takes so long to master. And for a, a restaurant where you meet Chip and Dale, that's pretty fucking profound, you know? And and that's and I kind of look at it that way. It's like, you know, if you if you get good at your craft, you've done it. Yeah. Like that's what we're here to do. And I think, you know, that's yeah. whether your craft is taking care of Conan O'Brien or, you know, being a game show host, you know, cartoon voice cartoon voice person like me you know, uh, so. multi-hyphenate you have yes. a lot of things oh my goodness i'm not well, when, serious when, i when, there's so many <laughs> things i don't even know how i would classify you i i i think well also a big thing for me and i'm i i know this is a uh something that you had to with your job was your opinion mattered and i think for any employee, that was him that was him yeah that was conan like right he, he let my opinion matter you know yeah and i think that for any employee in any job, no matter what you do, no matter what position you are, it, you you are much happier at your job if you feel like you are valued at it. Yes. And I think yes. that uh, I felt like I was valued at my job. I know you felt you were val- valued at your. I, I hope you did, but I, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. And I think that um, that makes a huge difference. You know, yeah. I mean, it could be for anybody. I I think yeah. that like I worked at Burger King as my first job, and I remember. The uh, the cook in the back who was making the burgers like they, everybody was so nice to him because he was such an important part of the yeah. operations. And he, he you could tell he just enjoyed what he did. And I think that 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 could be for any job anywhere was that if you make someone feel like they're valuable no matter what position they're in, they're going to enjoy going to work more. And yeah. uh, that was a big part of my job, why I yeah. love my job so much. When's the book come out? July 19th. You can pre-order it now. I uh, have. You- People pre-order it. Yeah. Push pause on this and go pre-order it. Yeah. Stop listening and go pre-order <laughs> this book. Because uh, it no. does matter. <laughs> yeah. I had a lot of fun writing. It was nice to uh, look back on it and look back at my job and just kind of, I think you should write a book, honestly, as for what you've done. I mean, I can't imagine the stories you have. If I have some fun stories, I can't imagine the stories you have, Andy. I Sometimes I feel like I have to wait for people to die before I can uh, write the book, you know. So Yeah, I get that. So, yeah. So it means I got a lot of murdering to do. Time to do some murdering. Oh, well. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. Oh, it was really over. a joy. Yeah. Uh, okay. You know, I mean, we can't go on forever. It's, you know? I know. I, I mean, because I, well, you know, I mean, it, it's like. There's the aspect of like what are you what's in your future, but I, I mean, is there anything beyond no. th- what we talked about? Like that's you know you're gonna raise your beautiful boys. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's what that's my priority now. I mean, I yeah. think work wise, I 
stopped stressing about work. You know, thank God I stopped stressing about like, what's the next step? What am I going to do? It's I, I've been very like, I'll take whatever comes my way and I'll just see how that goes. And so, but now my, my priority is obviously my, my kids and my, yeah. my family and, you know, just making sure I am around and hang out with them a lot. Yep. And, you know, and remembering where all the bodies are buried. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Conan. I know where they all are. Yeah. And there's going to be more once I help Andy murder. Yeah. More murdering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Shona. I love you very much. I love you too, Andy. I love and you I'm so much. And this very is so happy much fun. to see you. Thank you. And thank all of you out there for listening. And I'll be back next week with someone that's not going to be as much fun. No. They're going to suck. I've got a big, big love for you. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It is produced by Lane Gerbig, engineered by Marina Pice, and talent produced by Galitza Hayek. The associate producer is Jen Samples, supervising producer Aaron Blair, and executive producers Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. Can't you tell my love's a growing? Escape to Ocean City, Maryland. And discover a place that just feels lighter. Where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group. Where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season. Where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door. Where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland. Somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.